Good morning, Westside. How are we? We're good. It is so good to see you. Um, I'm so glad that you've joined us, no matter if you're joining us at our Lenexa campus or Speedway campus or watching online with us. Um, just really quickly, um, don't let Troy off that easy. So we're going to play a game this week called um, Stump Troy. So the first person to stump him gets $100. Just come find me and like we'll see if we can get it, all right? Uh, let's have a little bit of fun in church today. Well, if you have a Bible... I want to invite you to open it with me, and let's meet together in Matthew 4, verse 12. If you don't know how to get to the book of Matthew, that's okay. We are a table of content church, so go to the front of your Bible, find the page number, go to Matthew, and then flip over over to chapter 4. We're going to meet in verse 12. Um, Let me set the scene for us as we're kind of ready just to dig in today, because in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, he prepares the way for Jesus. And one day, Matthew is out baptizing Jesus or some people when Jesus shows up. And Jesus is like, hey, I want you to baptize me. And at first, uh, John the Baptist is reluctant because he's like, shouldn't you be the one baptizing me? He's a little bit confused. But eventually, Jesus is like, hey, uh, it's necessary for me to be baptized. And I think one of the reasons why it was necessary for Jesus to be baptized was because Jesus was going to set an example for us to follow. This is why I love each and every single week we come before you and say, hey, if you've began a relationship with Jesus and never have taken your step to be baptized, you can meet some guys out in a red shirt and they will help you take that step. And here's the thing, if you find what I'm saying to be boring and you're like, I need to get baptized, it's okay to leave mid-message. I promise you, I will not judge you. I will like encourage you because that's one of the most important things and you can actually take that step today. But if you're like, man, I'm waiting for the perfect day. One of the perfect days would be on Easter weekend because we are celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection, and we believe that baptism is our participation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's something that speaks to what Christ has done for us. And so I would encourage you to take that step either today or if you wanna take it in resurrection weekend, you can go westsidefamily.church slash baptism. Why? Because Jesus set an example for us to follow. He was baptized, and after he came up From the waters, God declared over Jesus, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I think that's so important because like we talked about last week, as soon as he's baptized, he goes straight to the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And I just believe the reason why he was able to overcome the enemy is because he understood his true identity and who he was in God. God declared over him, and God declares over us who we are in him. So if we have hope, like Jesus has hope, to overcome the enemy, it always starts with us understanding who we are in Christ. It starts with us understanding our identity. So Jesus is tempted three separate times, and three separate times he overcomes the enemy. And that brings us to Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 12. So like we've been doing for the last few weeks. If you're willing and you're able, would you stand as we are going to listen to the public reading of scripture this morning? Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet. The land of Zebulun, and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. 
and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we're so thankful for your word. We believe that it is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. We believe that it's living and active because it points beyond itself to a living and active God. So Father, we just now invite you to be living and active amongst us right now. Would you speak to our hearts would you whisper to us, may we hear your voice, not my voice, but may we hear your voice and may your word fall on the good soil today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen, amen. You can grab a seat this morning. I need your help for just a second. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm actually going to ask you to participate at our Lenexa campus, our Speedway campus. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say a word, and I need you as quickly as you can to think about whatever comes to your mind and shout it out. We're going to let our intrusive thoughts win this morning, okay? Um, so we're just going to shout out the first thing. Now, we are in church, so we do have to keep it PG, okay? Like nothing, nothing wrong or bad, but let's... Whatever comes to your mind, if you're online, just type it in the chat. Let's start with a really easy one. Are you, are you ready? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing that makes a preacher preach faster than when you talk to him, all right? So it's, it's going to get. Are you ready? Here we go. Ice. Okay, I heard a lot of cool Chiefs game. I uh, heard, heard a lot of cool things. Yeah, Chiefs versus Miami, Patrick Mahomes, helmet smash, ice wins, right? Um, here we go. Uh, second one, don't stop. Okay, listen, hey, we can have fun in church today, so it's okay to go, don't stop believing. Or if you are my age and you have kids that are really young, you're like, don't stop, don't stop the beat. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, I better stop dancing. I'm gonna get in trouble this morning. All right, here, here we go. Ikea. Okay, uh, you, you all are, are right. Let me just, real quick poll um, at, at all of our, our campuses. How many of you have ever gotten into a fight over a piece of Ikea furniture? Show of hands. Okay, listen, if your hand's raised, I just need you to know it's actually not your fault because Ikea is Swedish for fight starter. 
So no, no blame today, all right? <laughs> let's, uh, let's, do, let's do one more. And this time I want you to think about this word inside, so don't, don't shout it out. Follower or follow. I want us to think about follow today because we're living in a world where follow has become like white noise in our ears. We, we follow our friends, we follow brands, we follow our favorite restaurants, we follow our favorite bands, we follow influencers, we follow celebrities, we literally follow everything. And then there's many of us, we come to a place like this and we say something like this, I follow Jesus. But what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? In other words, what does it look like for us to be a follower of him? I love that because Matthew actually answers this question for us when he says that while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, their father and followed him. So Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and as he walks by, he sees four guys who are not a part of the A squad. They are B squad players. And he simply just invites them, hey, come, come and follow me. And the crazy thing is, is that they hear this invitation, and at once they say immediately, they leave everything behind, and they begin to follow Jesus. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that simply means that Jesus is still in the business of inviting us to follow him. And when we hear this invitation and we turn from going our way to following the way, we become a follower of Jesus. But again, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? I, I want to just dig into really one verse today. And it's verse 19 because Jesus tells us what it means to be a follower of Jesus when he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. A follower of Jesus is led by Jesus, shaped by grace and moved by love. A follower of Jesus is led by Jesus, which is really simple, right? Because following or being led by Jesus simply means that we follow Jesus as our leader. We don't try to control things. We say, hey, here is control, Jesus. I want to follow you. And the cool thing about following Jesus is that if you have ever played the game follow the leader, then you understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you've never played the game follow the leader, I don't mean to judge you or anything, but I'm kind of like, where have you been your whole life? But don't worry, I'm gonna explain it because it's really simple. Jesus, or there's one leader, and then everyone else follows what that leader does. So if the leader is walking and the leader turns left, then what we do is we follow the leader and we turn left. If the leader hops on one foot, then we start hopping on one foot. If the leader stops, we stop. 
So following Jesus is a lot like playing the game, follow the leader. However, following Jesus or being led by Jesus doesn't simply mean that Jesus grabs our hand and just begins to pull us in whatever direction that he wants us to go. Following Jesus doesn't mean that Jesus says, okay, start walking and I'm gonna walk behind you and I'm gonna direct and I'm gonna demand which direction that you go. No, being led by Jesus simply means that we walk in close proximity to Jesus. And how do we walk with Jesus? Shoulder to shoulder, step by step. It's all about a relationship with Jesus. And as we walk with Jesus, the cool thing that ends up happening is is that Jesus gives us kind of like one of those little nudges. If you ever had a nudge from God, you understand. He kind of nudges us and says, hey, I want to go You'd go this way. And he doesn't have to yell at us. He doesn't have to pull us in that direction. He simply invites us to follow him, to be led by him. So following Jesus is really simple because it simply means being led by Jesus. But I also need you to understand the fullness of this because following Jesus is also costly. I know that's kind of anti-American Christianity, but we need to understand that it costs Jesus everything. So if we're going to follow after him, it's going to cost us something. And I know this because we look in verse 22, and what we see is that these men, they hear. They hear the invitation of Jesus, and it says that they immediately, they left their boats and their father, and they followed him. Following Jesus is costly. In fact, let me just lovingly tell you something today because I wouldn't say this if I didn't love you. If following Jesus isn't costing you something, you're probably not following Jesus. Now, I want to be clear because I I don't think that it's going to be as dramatic as it was for them. It may not mean that that you have to leave your job or you have to leave your family. It, it, It could mean something like that. But what I think it really means, the cost that it's gonna cost us to follow Jesus comes from the words of Jesus. And Jesus says later on, if anyone wants to follow me, they must what? Deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow after me. I think that that's what it looks like to to follow Jesus, to cost you something. It's gonna cost you giving up what you want for what he wants. It's gonna cost you going your way for his way. To follow after him means that, hey, Jesus didn't just come in and say, hey, I'm gonna save you and that's the only part I want of you. No, Jesus came in and he wants all of you. But here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus isn't gonna come in and force you to deny yourself, but he is going to invite you to. And if you'll deny yourself, what will end up happening is that you will end up living the life that Jesus intended for you to live, which is the second part of John chapter 10, verse 10, which he says, I've come to give you what? Life and give it to you abundantly. You want the abundant life, you have to deny yourself. But let's be honest today. That's extremely difficult, right? I know it is for me because I'm selfish and I still like to do things my own way. So my guess is for some of us here today, you find yourself in a very similar boat. And that's why I think we need to understand, yes, following Jesus is simple, it's costly, but also following Jesus is worth it. If Peter and Andrew and James and John were here today, I just firmly believe if we asked them the question, would you do it all over again? They would simply say, yeah, I would do it. I would follow Jesus. And here's the thing, in this very moment that they hear the invitation of Jesus, they did not know 
the impact of their decision that day. They didn't know that they were gonna see miracle after miracle. They didn't know that they were gonna see Jesus not only crucified but come back to life three days later. They didn't know that God was gonna use a group of guys from the B squad to take his message of the gospel and, and send it like a wildfire into the world so that we're here today hearing about, hey, we can still follow Jesus. They didn't know that eventually it was going to cost them their life. But to them, following Jesus was worth it. So are you following Jesus? Are, are you being led by him? For some of you, the answer is no. And, and I want you just to hear me today. Jesus is here, and I just firmly believe he's walking amongst us, and he's still inviting some of us just to come and follow him. And hear this invitation. It doesn't mean that you have to clean yourself up to follow Jesus. You just need to go and follow Jesus. It doesn't mean that you need to understand everything that there is to understand about the Bible. You just need to follow Jesus. So for some of you, I want you to hear from my perspective for a second. The greatest decision of my life was to hear Jesus say, hey, come follow me, and me to accept that invitation. My life has been an adventure because of him, and it can be an adventure for you. So will you accept that invitation? Because then there's some of us here today, we, we actually are following Jesus, and I think that means a lot. And, and one thing that it means is simply this, is that a follower of Jesus, what? Shaped by grace. Verse 19, once again, it tells us, Jesus says, follow me, and I want us to note just a couple of words, I will make. I want us to look at the I will make because here's the thing, Jesus doesn't say, hey, come follow me, and then hey, it's up to you to become like me. Jesus didn't say, hey, follow me, and hey, you're on your own. Jesus said, follow me, and what? I will make you like me. Becoming like Jesus isn't about perfection. Becoming like Jesus is about affection. Becoming like Jesus isn't about your ability. Becoming like Jesus is about your availability to him. This is why being led by him, walking with him is so important because as we walk with him, he shapes us. And how does he shape us? He shapes us with his grace. Grace is the undeserved favor of God. I really love how Dan Diebel puts it, though. He says, grace is God saying to us, your mess is mine. The beauty of God's grace is that the hands that were nailed for us are now the hands that shape us. He is the potter. We are the clay. So for us as followers of Jesus, we never need to get to a place or space where we don't think that we don't need the grace of God. We need the grace of God. We need the grace of God in our weakness because there's not a single one of us, including myself, I would actually probably say I'm the worst sinner in here, that has perfected what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's perfect. Our lives are still messy. So we need Jesus in our mess to help actually begin to clean us up and not just to make us a better version of ourselves, but for him to make us more like Jesus. We need him in our weakness. It's true for you, it's true for me, and it's true for the Apostle Paul, who at one point was Saul, and he was killing Christians, and then he was converted into Christianity, and he became Paul. Paul says in Romans chapter seven, I absolutely love this because I think it's like one of the greatest things about the grace of God. He says, I don't do the things that I 
want to do. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Have you ever found yourself doing the things that you don't want to do? I know I have. And in those moments, it's really easy for me to beat myself up, to feel like I gotta kind of perform my way back into a relationship with Jesus. But I love what he says at the end. He says, thanks be to, to Jesus. I love that phrase because Paul is reminding us that, hey, it's, it's not about me being perfect or performing. It's about what he has done. In fact, religion says do, grace says done. So for us today, we can sit in this beauty and and receive the love of God because there's nothing that we have done that would make God love us less. We need the grace of God in our weakness, but I'm here to tell someone today that we need the grace of God in our strength as well. Any ability for us to nail it is all propelled by the grace of God. So we don't need, just need the grace of God when we blow it. We need the grace of God to nail it. We don't need the grace of God when we do things wrong. We need the grace of God to do the things that are right. It is the grace of God that propels us to live the life that God intended us to live. We gotta stop saying, oh, look what I did. No, 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 look what Jesus did. We gotta stop believing that it's because of my performance and start looking to the one who said it is finished. So when we pray, it's the grace of God that enables us to go to God with boldness. When we open up the word and we hear Jesus speak to us, it's the grace of God that enables us to hear the voice of God. There's nothing in our lives, there's not a single day where we don't need to say, I need the grace of God, I need the grace of God in my weakness, I need the grace of God in my strength, because why? It also enables me to experience the love of God. Why? There's nothing that you could do to make God love you more. And when we receive that love, it's so important for us to receive that, to sit in his love. Why? A follower of Jesus is led by Jesus. We're shaped by grace. And finally, we're moved by love. I love what Matthew does as he continues on. And he says, and he, meaning Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those who oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics and he healed them and great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Can I tell you what I love about Jesus? Jesus is different than any other rabbi during this time. Every rabbi, including Jesus, had a message. But the thing that separated Jesus from any other rabbi is that Jesus actually stepped in and met people at their point of pain. You see, every other rabbi would be among those types of people. And those people, if you saw someone and you were considered unclean, you would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. And any other rabbi would hear, unclean, unclean. And they would go out of their way to avoid those types of people. But not Jesus. Jesus stepped in and he said, hey, listen, I understand that unclean has become your identity, but let me tell you who you are. Let me, by my grace and my healing power, declare over you that you are my son and you are my daughter. And many people not only experienced spiritual healing during that time, but they also experienced a physical healing. 
That's why I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer says when he says, only love gets close enough to know. And here's the thing, followers of Jesus, we are called to run the play that Jesus ran. I know this because once again, he says, follow me and I will what? Make you fishers of men. Jesus doesn't invite us to follow him so that we will become spiritually obese. Jesus invites us to become like him, to follow him, to become like him for the sake of other people. Can I just say this for a lot of us today? It's time to go fishing. It's time to pick up the message of the gospel and go out and go fishing and become fishers of men, the intents of what Jesus has called us to be. Because here's the, here's the reality. We have the greatest message of all time. The problem is, is that the world also has a message. And if we are going to set our message apart from the world's message, we need to do the things that Jesus did. We need to step in and meet people in their point of pain. This is why I love the unshakable journey we're on because we're trying to say as a church, it's not about the money. It's about us living out what Jesus Christ has done and what he has exampled us to follow. That's what it's about. And could you just imagine what would happen if a room this size actually began to take and do what Jesus did? What we would see, we would start seeing the things that Jesus saw. It wouldn't be about our fame and the name of Westside becoming famous. It would be about Jesus' name becoming famous because what we would end up doing is we got the greatest message, but we're gonna meet people where they're at and we're gonna say, hey, I love you. And I'm not just gonna tell you I love you, but I'm gonna show you that I love you. And then they'll experience the love of God. And as they experience the love of God, what's gonna end up happening is what happens here is they're gonna go out and they're gonna find people who have a pain. And they're gonna meet and they're gonna bring them to Jesus. So the fame and the followers of Jesus is gonna grow. It's, it's not about, listen, it's, it's not about a building or a place becoming builder, bigger. It's literally about making heaven crowded. That's what revival is. And I'm not here to bash revival, and I think we should pray for revival, but can I just tell you, I think it's time for us to stop praying for something and start like taking up and riding the wake of Jesus and say, let's go be a revival to the world. Let's go out and stop trying to add people and let's start multiplying. Let's stop thinking like the world thinks and let's think like Jesus thinks. Let's step in and meet people at their point of pain. Why? Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. A follower of Jesus is led by Jesus, shaped by grace, and moved by love. Here's my question this morning. Are you following Jesus, really? I add that really at the end because I think it's really easy for us to come in here and act like we're following Jesus, but are you actually following Jesus? Because here's the reality. The Bible says that, that wide is the path that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to Jesus, the gate. Are you following Jesus, Really? And here's the thing, for some of us, we can answer that question, yes, and I, I believe that you're following Jesus, that you're being led by Jesus, you're being shaped by grace. If that's you, can, I want you just to hear my challenge today. I want to challenge you to think about one person 
that you know that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I want you to think about it because one of the things I talk to our students about each and every single week, and I just ask them the question, who's your one? Because a follower of Jesus should always have one person in their life that doesn't know him. So do you have that person in your life? If you don't, I'm gonna ask you to pray a bold prayer and ask God to put someone in your life that doesn't know him. But then there's some of us, we know the person. As soon as I said, who's your one, you got them right then. You don't have to think about it. Maybe you've been building relationships with them. Maybe you've been kind of having a moment where you've just been getting to talk to them. This week, listen, I just wanna challenge you just to step in to their lives Show them the love of Jesus. Show them the care. Serve them. And maybe, just maybe, tell them about Jesus. Oh, but JJ, I can't do that. Yes, you can. The greatest testimony of Jesus is what he has done for you. If you can just say, this is what Christ has done for me, here's what he can do for you. It's that simple. So this week, follower of Jesus, I wanna challenge you to step in if you know who your one is. But then there's some of us here today we're not really following Jesus. And I just, I want you to hear that simple invitation of a savior who came down. He didn't expect us to come to him. He came down to us. And he's here and he's walking, like I said, amongst us this morning. And there's some of you, he's speaking to your heart and saying, hey, you're not really following me. Will you come follow me? And if you will hear his invitation and respond by saying, yes, you will become a follower of Jesus, and your life will never be the same again. And I wanna give you that opportunity this morning. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes across all our locations this morning? Jesus, we're so thankful, God, that you're still in the business of inviting us to follow you. And so, Father, I just pray right now that we wouldn't hear my voice, but that your voice would be loud in some of our hearts this morning. And they may hear right now, follow me. And if you want to follow Jesus today, I just want you to respond this way. Yes, I will follow you. Jesus, thank you now for calling people. Thank you now, God, for those who just became a follower of yours today. I pray also for us who do claim to be followers of Jesus that A, we would either find someone or that we would tell someone this week about you. It's in your name we pray, amen. We wanna stand and we're gonna sing a song and, and then just in a few moments, I'm gonna come back out and we're gonna take communion together. So if you wanna get those ready, you can as well. So let's stand and let's continue to worship God.